You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. Yo! Happy Sunday! Y'all, it is pouring down rain. It is pouring down rain, but it's been the most amazing day. It's Friday, and um, work has been pretty slow, so I've been getting caught up in some other things, and I have my... I'm sitting in front of my space heater, which, if you know me, you know I can I can get down. Like, I love a space heater. I could easily get down with, like, selling a space heater for the rest of my life. I believe in, I believe in space heaters that much. Um, and I love my space heater. I, I spend, I spend a lot of time with my space heater. If you don't know what a space heater, it's just like a little heater. You know what I mean? That you have in your apartment or whatever. Anyways, I'm sitting in front of it and it's raining and I have my porch doors open and it's just, oh, I just had my shake. Listened to some Stephen Furtick sermons, did a little work on my next book. I mean, it's been a day, but it's so funny. I, I got on here earlier to record, and I've actually, I've never done this before. I got on here earlier to record. I did about a five-minute podcast that, like, I was, was, you know, I spoke for, like, five minutes. And then I just was like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I am not doing this. I didn't even really have a topic in mind. I just felt like, and I've spoken about this before, but it was like I, I needed to record, and sometimes we take... We take things God's given us, blessings God's given us, gifts God's given us, vehicles God has given us to serve, and we we abuse them. And we look at them as these things we have to do instead of these things we get to do. And I came into that recording with, I have to do this, I have to do whatever. And I said, no. I was like, no, this is not the intention behind this. I don't feel the spirit in my heart right now. If I don't feel the spirit in my heart right now, what am I even doing? This is not even going to be good. This isn't going to touch people. This isn't going to help people. And so I stopped and I deleted it. And I've I've actually never done that. I've never done that. Um, But that was a small win for me today. And, And, you know, I think a lot of times we do that, right? Like you do that in life too. Something that was once this blessing becomes this, this expectation, right? Like you prayed for kids, you prayed for kids for years and then you got kids and all of a sudden you have to take them to school and you have to clean up their poop and you have to buy them expensive diapers and then you have to make a college fund. And all of a sudden you start to complain about the very thing you were praying for at one point or school. You were praying to get into that college. I know when I knew I wanted to go to Wofford, I was like praying my butt off. I want to go to Wofford, God. I want to go to Wofford, God. Please let there be a spot on the tennis team. And it worked out. And then guess what? I got to Wofford and come my junior year, I was praying, let me graduate early, God. I want to get out of here, God. And it's just so funny because we do that. We pray for God to get us out of situations we were once praying to get in. And then once we get out, we pray to go back in situations we were once praying to get out of. Right? Like a lot of times we do this in relationships. We're like, God, make a way. Make a way for me to get to get out of this relationship. I'm not strong enough to do it. 
I don't think he or she is strong enough to do it. Like, make a way for us to get out of this partnership. And then he does. And then you're like, oh, but God, I miss them. And I want to get back together. And it's like just so funny how these things that we once prayed for, they happen. And then we either want God to, to take it away and for things to go back to normal. Or um, to either bring us back into what was once familiar or to, to change it again. And what I understand, I was listening to a Stephen Furtick sermon and he was talking about Egypt and how the Israelites, you know, they were praying to get out of Egypt. And then once they did, they were cursing God that he brought them out of Egypt. And he talked about this thing called selective memory. And we all have it. And it's when, for example, that, you know, I know, for example, Alaska, I went to Alaska with my family. And I, when I think of Alaska, I have the most warm feeling in my stomach. I'm like, that was the best, the best family vacation of my life. I think that was the best vacation of my life. I had so much fun. It was so great. Like, I just get teary-eyed thinking about it. But then I really think about it. And I'm like, there were so many moments I wanted to, like, slap my siblings in the face for being annoying. There were multiple four-hour car rides smushed in a van with like random families and 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 that we didn't know and you had to wear a mask the whole time and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And then there was like that time that um, I was freaked out because I went on a run in Alaska and I went a little too far and I was like, there are bears here. Like there are bears here. And I didn't have my phone. It wasn't very smart. And so there was that, that was, there was that whole thing. And my parents were ticked at me for doing that. Cause they're like, Annie, we're sorry. But you know, if we had to bound any of y'all being able to fight off a bear, like you just wouldn't be like, you just wouldn't be even near James, Lizzie and McRae. And I was like, honestly, I can't even, I can't even argue with you on that. Um, but, but you know, you, what I mean is selective memory. You, you think back and you gloss over these things as these amazing times, like that a relationship was so great or that vacation was so great or whatever, when really it just wasn't. It just wasn't. And so the Israelites did that, right? Like Egypt had them in slavery. They were working way too many hours in the day. They were, they, they were getting beaten to death and God brought them out of that bondage. And what did they do? If you read scripture, they say, Moses, why did you do this? Why did the Lord bring us into the wilderness to have us die? Let us go back to Egypt. And it's like God saved them from a horrible situation, a horrible situation, brought them into a potentially better situation. But it's that phase in between deliverance and the ultimate delivery that you start questioning God's power and you start questioning what God can do. I mean, right? It's like, have you ever been through a breakup? It's like you got out of that relationship that wasn't great for you. But then you're kind of past that phase of the heartbreak. And you're like ready to to date again or whatever. But you haven't found someone that you're actually like, I would like to do that with. And so you're in this weird phase of like, okay, I was delivered out of that thing. I didn't want to be in anymore. But now I'm in this weird phase of like, I'm not where I want to be yet. And so... You typically don't, it's like you start, you start questioning, you start questioning everything and you start doubting God's ability to pull you into the next thing, even though he's shown the proof that he can, could he pulled you out of the last thing? And here's the thing. 
this is what I've begun to understand with, with life and with taking steps and with change. People hate change. They're scared of change. They're scared of evolving. And what I've begun to understand is we as humans, me, Annie Mayfield, you, insert your name here, we are supposed to change. We are supposed to grow. We are supposed to evolve. We are supposed to constantly be molding and shaping and and fine-tuning into this next version of ourselves. That is what we're supposed to do. And God gives us the grace and the mercy to walk with us in this evolution of trust. (coughs) This evolution of trust. I mean, imagine if you are eight years old and you know everything there is to know about everything. That would be awful. That would be awful, right? Like you haven't even hit puberty yet and you know everything there is to know about everything. That would suck. There's something beautiful about the fact that in each season of life, we learn a little bit more about life and we learn a little bit more about ourselves, and about people, and about what we appreciate, and what we don't, and what we like, and what we don't, and what we need, and what we don't. And the the, the tricky thing is, just as we feel like we've kind of got a grasp on this version of ourselves, like when I was 22, the minute I started feeling like I got a grasp on, okay, this is Annie Mayfield, this is who she is, this is what I like, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going, this is is how my life is going to be, it changed. And I changed and the world changed and I had to learn it again, right? And it's like, it's constant. It's a constant growth. It's a constant change And leaders, people that are really leaders. And we are all leaders. Why? Because we all have at least one person that we're leading and that is ourself. So the next time you don't feel like a leader, remind yourself of that. You are a leader because you are leading yourself and that is one person. And the definition of a leader is just they have someone that follows them. And guess what? You follow you wherever you So you are a leader and leaders do not fear change. They embrace it and they use it and they catapult and expand upon it. I would take it a step further and I think it's really interesting to look at. Leaders are curious about change. So many times we we judge our emotions, we judge what we're feeling, we judge what we're going through that we don't learn from it. But every single experience, every person, everything is a teacher teaching us something about ourselves. Right? Like I was in a meeting yesterday, a meeting that, that I was running and for my corporate job and I was nervous out of my pants. Like I was, that sounded weird. I was just really nervous is what I'm trying to say. Like I was, knees were shaking. Like I was just so nervous. And I was like, Annie, I have, like girl, you have spoken to so, like way more people than this about way more complex things than this. Why are you so nervous? And what I did was I became curious. I didn't say, Annie, suck it up. Like, you know, button yourself. Like, let's go. Let's go. No, I said, Annie, why are we nervous? Like, I really got granular. I got aware. I was like, why are we nervous here? What is this hitting on? What is this teaching me about myself? And the reason we're supposed to continue to grow and continue to change and continue to evolve is because there's always something God is trying to show us about us. Why? Because through learning about us, we learn about him. What better way to learn about your creator than to learn more about the very thing you are that he created? 
So by constantly changing and growing, we're learning more about ourselves, which in tune tells us more about God and how he made us and how we're made. Our DNA, our architecture, our infrastructure, every fiber of our being, how he knit us in our mother's womb. And so many times, so many times, we mistake familiarity with comfort. Excuse me. We mistake familiarity with freedom because it's comfortable, because it's comfort. So we think, we, we date the guy and we get married to the guy because we really love him, because he inspires us, because he makes us better, because we feel our spirit is really compelled and called to be in this relationship with this partner running hand in hand towards Christ. No. Why do we, why do we marry the guy or marry the girl? Because we've been with them for five years. Because it's what everyone's expecting. Because everyone else is posting on Instagram. Because I know his order at, at um, Shklotsky's. Because he knows my order at Jimmy John's. Because it's comfortable. Because it's familiar. And we would rather stay in a comfortable, familiar, current circumstance than shoot for something potentially better. But the path to get there is unfamiliar. The path to get there is the path that the Israelites had to take in between Egypt and Canaan. It's wilderness. And it's scary. And it is, it is every single day looking up and saying, God, God, what's my provision today? God, give me my manna for this day. If you don't know that that story that God gave them manna, bread, every single day for that day, but the rule was they could not collect any for the next day. They had to trust God each day to give them that food. Why? Because God wants you to understand he's going to give you this day your daily bread. He wants you to keep looking up to him for provision. And a lot of times people don't get their faith to that point because they're not willing to let go of Egypt. They don't, they don't exercise the muscles of the faith that God gave them. And they don't get to experience the richness of his mercy and his grace because, not because it isn't there, not because it isn't there and doesn't exist, but because they won't let go of Egypt. Because they won't get out of Egypt. And I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying break up with that person. I'm not saying let go of Egypt everything in your life that makes it up right now because it's familiar. No, I'm saying get really aware. Pray really hard about the things in your life that you're currently a part of, that group, that friend group, those people, that job, that whatever, and understand, am I here because my spirit's calling me to be here because this is the necessary place I'm supposed to be at or am I here because I'm comfortable? Am I here because I'm comfortable? And there's a difference. And when I say take your time, take your time. I know for me in the past when I've gotten out of my Egypts, so to speak, whether it was with a job or with a relationship, I gave it months. Like I gave it months. I remember my, the last big relationship decision I made, I, I had an inkling. I, I, I had an inkling for about, about eight months prior to when we, when we went our separate ways, I had an inkling that this just wasn't it. And I prayed for eight months. Like, I'm not saying eight minutes. I said eight months. So when I was ready to leave Egypt, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was time. And I knew that I knew that I knew that it was the right decision. Take your time. 
do not make emotional decisions. But, but some of us are in familiar places because it's easy and because it's comfortable. And I just don't want you to mistake familiarity with promise. Familiarity with, with the, the, the richness of all that there is to offer. The path to get to better is scary because it's unknown. But leaders become curious about change. That emotion I experienced yesterday in a meeting that I was running, it wasn't very familiar. I didn't like it. It was like, whoa, I feel like I'm not supposed to be doing this. I don't feel good enough for this. And instead of judging it, I became really curious about it. Really curious about it. And in a way, the more you become nervous or you feel like you're being stretched, that's an indication you're on the right path. If you constantly feel like you're growing, if you constantly feel like you are uncomfortable, ironically, the world sells us this bill of goods that comfort is an ease and comfort. They're the way to go. But discomfort is where growth happens. Okay? And so when you're thinking about who you want to be, where you want to go, who you want to be with, It's the things that challenge us, the things that cause us to get on our knees and to look up at our source and to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm going to get to Canaan, but I know I'm not staying in Egypt because yes, your grace and mercy is available there. I don't just want available grace and mercy. I want grace and mercy. I am actively living into that. I am accessing. Not just having it available to me. I want to access it. And to access it, you got to walk in it. You got to walk in it, right? Like you got to move in it. You got to go in it. And I just want to get across that some of us are imprisoned by the chains of familiarity because we're too afraid to, to take that step out of bondage towards freedom because we're so comfortable in our chains. That's why we self-sabotage. Some of you, some of you are so familiar with failure that when you experience success, you don't like it because in your mind, you're like, this isn't going to last. It's much easier for you to come home after a day of work where nothing went right because that's your typical and that's your familiar. It's a lot more uncomfortable for you to come off of a week where everything went right. All of those deals closed. Your boss said all the nice things about you. Or maybe you're um, in, in your relationship. Like you finally meet someone that is a good guy and a good girl and they treat you right. And you sabotage it because you don't feel worthy of a good guy slash good girl relationship because you've never experienced that before because you've always dated duds. You've always dated people you feel a little bit better than so they don't break your heart, but then they end up doing it because they're not emotionally competent or secure. And so you have this pattern of attracting the same kind of person because anything else is unfamiliar and that's scary. 
it's scary to to date someone that actually is a nice guy because because what if it doesn't work out like in the past my track record nothing else has worked out and then I actually lose a good guy that would hurt a lot more than just losing a guy that that is a crap show or maybe it's it's you know you finally found a job and a career that you genuinely you're like this could be it but you're afraid you're afraid to take that chance on it because you're like but but if I can't make this work, then what? It's like I'm afraid, I'm afraid to put myself out there because if I get rejected and that tells me that I couldn't make this work, then, then what is there to be hopeful for? So you resort to doing jobs, to doing things that you're not super fulfilled and happy in, but in the back of your mind, it's like I would rather be doing this and and never put myself to the test of shooting for the thing I'm actually really passionate about, but I don't want to know if, I, if, I, if I'm not good enough for. And so you stay in familiarity because it's comfortable and it's safe. But I'm here to tell you, ironically, the safest place to be is walking out in that unknown, walking out in that wilderness. There's a, I don't know why this even came to my mind, but I found out a fact the other day that kind of blew my mind. The safest place part of a tornado if you're in a tornado the safest part to be is in the middle the safest part to be is in the middle because that's where nothing's spinning nothing's going crazy and is it would it be uncomfortable yes it'd be very uncomfortable but ironically that's the safest part to be and I guess I feel like the spirit kind of told me to tell you that because it's like every single time in my life when I have walked out in faith and I have truly said, God, I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm doing this. All right, your turn, your turn. I showed up your turn. I showed up in front of 3000 people to speak your turn, your turn to speak through me. I showed up and got out of that relationship that was totally fine. And, and a lot of people were confused, but you know what? Your turn, your turn. I listened to my spirit, your turn. Every time you do that, I promise you, it doesn't feel like it now, but when you're in it, you never feel safer. I have never felt safer than when I am on the bottom of my closet floor and I am saying, God, I don't have the answer. I, I literally have no idea what to do. Here I am in those moments where I have nothing figured out. I never feel safer when I'm in the wilderness in between Egypt and Canaan, I never feel safer because I know God's guiding my steps, not me. So what are you choosing? The steps toward freedom, towards fulfillment or familiarity? I can't answer that for you. And I can't answer what that looks like for you right now. But all I can say is what I feel when I'm living in familiarity is I feel stuck. And I'm constantly living my days asking, why am I in such a bad mood? Why do I feel so restless? Why do I feel tired, but I got way more than enough sleep last night? Why do I feel like I'm not living on purpose? Why do I feel so small? And when I'm living for freedom, for change, for growth, in leadership, in correlation with how I feel like the Spirit's leading me, when I'm letting the Spirit guide, even if it takes me to the wilderness, to Canaan, out of Egypt, I feel strong 
in my lack of confidence in what's going on. I feel powerful in my lack of certainty as to the next steps. I feel certain in my uncertainty because I know my certainty is in God, not me. I feel really uncomfortable, but I never, in all those moments, it's like I've never felt more on purpose. I've never felt more fulfilled. It's in our surrender, we open up our hands to receive that next step of strength God's calling us to. I really believe that. Are you choosing the chains of familiarity over the promise of freedom? I'm sending you love.